Hey friends, thanks for stopping in to this bonus episode of Concessions, where Dan and I give our picks for the 96th Academy Awards. Hey folks, thanks for stopping in to this bonus episode of Concessions, where Dan and I give our picks for the 96th Academy Awards. On the episode, we'll go category by category, letting you know which movies we think should win, which movies we think will win, and then our picks for honorable mentions that were not nominated. If you're a fan of the podcast, please give us a like, a follow, a rating, whatever it is your podcast app of choice lets you do to show appreciation. Also, Dan and I are now both on threads. I won him over to the dark side. He's on threads at Dan Concedes. I'm still on threads at Jared Concessions. So make sure to find us there and tell us all about how our picks are wrong. I think that's all I have to say. So please enjoy and we'll see you back next Monday. And now, the Oscars. Welcome, one and all, to a very special evening of concessions. I'll be your host, Dan. And I'll be Jared. And tonight, we're going to (laughs) be coveting bald men. Oh, yeah. Little, tiny, short, Golden bald men. Huge give them away. We're gonna give them all away for the hairless community. All of the most beautiful people in Hollywood fight each other over these little baldies. Just a chance to wax it from head to nub, you know. Mm, Yeah, yeah. One of the the (laughs) Academy Award acceptance speeches that lives rent free in my bald head is when Daniel Day Lewis won for There Will Be Blood. He referred to his his trophy as a delicious golden sapling that sprung from the mind of paul thomas anderson mm, that's uh it's erotic it's a little erotic i'm a little uh, well interested and in to know how he really views that i want to get in his head understand his relationship with this delicious golden sapling oh daniel day lewis's yeah yes. i bet oh man he's just the classiest motherfucker isn't he <laughs> absolutely so classy all right. Well, before we get into any Oscar talk, which uh, if you, if you couldn't tell by the title of the podcast that you decided to start, uh, Dan, what are you drinking? Well, it's a, it's a classy evening. I went into my liquor shelf and I thought, what's the classiest thing that you can drink on a special night of glitz and glamour? And so I've got a, a nice scotch neat. I think it's a Highland. It's uh, very tasty. Ah, excellent. Well, we're already sort of breaking breaking character, breaking brand by drinking it all because this is the Oscars. It is a classy affair. This isn't the goddamn Golden Globes where everyone ties one on and Jennifer Lawrence makes funny faces at the camera. No, this no, is that's a, a Bong Joon-ho. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, wow. Yeah, he did get progressively more and more <laughs> fucked up as he <laughs> got up on stage for the second, third, fourth Ooh. time back in uh, the early days of 2020, didn't he? What a king. Oh, man. I hope he's back next year uh, for, was it Mickey 17? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, over here, I've got not a White Claw, strangely. Sorry oh, about that, White Claw. Cut this. I don't want to listen to this. I'm not interested. No, no, in no. You're going to want, want to hear this. This is a, a Cascade Lakes Brewing Stay K IPA. It's a pineapple IPA. And I'm not usually an IPA guy, but this is absolutely stunning. Like, I'm enjoying this being in my mouth to such an incredible extent. 
I love it. Um, can't can't uh, recommend this enough. If you ever find yourself in the presence of a Cascade Lakes Brewing Steak Hay Pineapple IPA, you should drink it. I, uh, I'll allow that to be tangentially related to a White Claw because there's got to be a Pineapple White Claw out there somewhere. There is a Pineapple White Claw. It's not as good as the Watermelon White Claw, which is the best drink in the world. But um, <laughs> it's like it's up there. It's like the fifth or sixth best drink in the world. So who's to say that the Pineapple that went into that beer also was in the same grove as Pineapples that went into an ice-cold, refreshing White Claw? Who's I would to say... say yeah, I would say that the odds are not zero, oh, uh-huh. but yeah, you know, so there's that. Anyway, <laughs> White Claw, I'm going to find you on Instagram. I'm going to comment several times on everything that you post. So you sound like me, uh, Liam Neeson from Taken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm a man with a particular set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> you will sponsor concessions or I will drink drinks that aren't white claws on concessions <laughs> shudder to think oh uh, yeah that'll get him moving moving merrily along to the the task at hand the yes. you know as you can see the guests are starting to scoot around their chairs a little bit they're like we came here for for some spicy picks and takes and yeah oscar yep, magic yep. so let's give the people what they want starting with uh jared uh how do you feel about the oscars oh man the oscars are the the nerdy super bowl <laughs> truly like the oscars are the television program that i look forward to the most every year and i go hard on locking in my predictions making sure that i'm watching the thing unencumbered whenever there's a you know a big blood oscar party available to me i damn well go to it and i get pretty yeah i, I get pretty invested in it when I I perceive something as being a snub or if a bad movie wins best picture. That never get, happens though. I get pretty I feel pretty personally maligned. <laughs> and when my favorite movie wins, I treat it as a victory for myself. So this is you're like a diehard Cowboys fan, but for movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can never, ever, ever uh, talk shit about you know people who are obsessive <laughs> fanatical about sports because i get the same way mm-hmm. uh, about movies how about yeah. you um mine i mean i remember watching it growing up it was never really a huge thing and so i think as i've mentioned before like i started getting like into film in like a concentrated way probably eh, probably like at about 21 22 a little later in life so by the time I like started really paying attention to the Oscars, like it's sort of like trying to get into Santa Claus when you're 10, like the window of time for the magic to work on you and for you to be able to draw from that well was kind of past and over. And so I, I definitely take a bit more, and I'm just a curmudgeon. Um, I take a bit more of a cynic, not cynical view, but like I watch it as I think someone described it once as like an office party. It's the Hollywood office party um, where there it's going to be you know, a bunch, uh, a tight knit community that's going to raise up stuff that they made and pat each other on the backs, and they'll they'll show the best of that ilk, or they'll show what they think is the best of that ilk. But I, I keep it very much in that box, um, where like I think if I go through the top ten or the the ten movies that got nominated for best picture this year, like yeah, some of them were 
up there for me too, but like my top 10 looks entirely different and that's fine. Like I, I just don't put it as like, Oh, that one best picture. Well, that must be one of the best pictures of the year. Like I'm not nearly as invested, I suppose. I don't want to be the guy who, you know, at the Super Bowl is like, Ooh, sports ball, go sports. But like, I'm not the one who is gonna like be hitting levels of ecstasy. If sure. they're uh, sure, 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 sure. Oh man, sports ball really boils my blood. <laughs> when I hear someone, some some little nerd, be dismissive of an entire, um, I don't know, act of humanity. Yeah, like like what else would you call sports in a in the most general term? Just a human other expression. Than, other know. just like a fundamental expression of human that humanity is decided upon. I get I get so fucking mad. Like I'm not even like a huge sports guy. Like I'm fairly knowledgeable about a few sports, but I'm not fanatical at all. But man, whenever I hear someone say sports ball, I just I just want to <laughs> harm them. <laughs> and I think like I know where that impulse comes from. Not to go too far away from the Oscars here, but I mean I guess you can apply it to the Oscars too. Um, I get where the feeling is coming from that like, yeah, people take it too seriously. They, you know, they could probably tone it down a bit and it can get annoying. And like, I, I'm sure the people like the, the nerdy theater kids that say that they're probably saying that as like, you know, cause what they love is super uncool. So they're not allowed or like, they don't get celebrated for what they love. So they have to be like, Oh, like, you know, this thing's just as if what I like is dumb, this thing's just dumb too. Then like everyone take a chill pill. But you know, there's also yeah. the other way that you could see it's like maybe we should all celebrate what we all love. Yeah, maybe we should like be interested in having community. <laughs> like <laughs> that's, that's just, call me crazy. <laughs> um, but for, for tonight, can you at least pretend that you're just like absolutely invested in who wins these Oscars, at least in your mind? Well, I am invested too, pretty deeply, because like because uh, this is a bellwether of what the industry is like and what we're yeah, going to see yeah, moving yeah. forward. It's like what wins deeply matters. Um, and mm -hmm. so yeah. in that sense, I am really, really interested in like, like last year when everything everywhere all at once won, like, was that my favorite uh, film of the last year? I think it was the best one. Mm, it's up there, but no, but like, I think it's great that something like that won. That's important that yeah. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that can win because then that sends a message to Hollywood that like not only can this make money, but it's also like quote unquote critically approved. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so getting into it, the format that we've decided upon is we're going to do our best to approximate the order in which the Academy typically gives out awards. Um, that it usually begins with the supporting acting categories before moving into a fairly random assortment of awards. Uh, we decided to basically go alphabetical beyond that until we get to really the the big four of the of the evening which are the leading acting uh awards the directing award and then ultimately of course best picture um for each category uh dan and i will divulge which award we think will win we're calling that our head pick this is the one that we're actually predicting will win and then we'll we'll give our heart pick the one that we think should win or like if we were we were giving out the award uh of the the nominees that's the one that we would personally choose then we'll we'll also give some shout outs for uh performances or for other uh other fine shows 
this year that weren't nominated that we think should have been nominated or even even won if if we got to have our druthers. So why don't we just get right into it with yeah, uh, yeah. best supporting actor? So or excuse me, I need to I need to give the the formal uh, wording <laughs> of all these categories. The first award is for actor in a supporting role, and the nominees are Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction. Oh, yes, 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 wonderful, wonderful. Yep, Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon. Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer. Ryan Gosling for Barbie. Boo, man, patriarchy. Oh, <laughs> and Mark Ruffalo in the same role in Poor Things. <laughs> Pretty much. We're we're only going to be doing the clapping bit for just this. We oh yeah, yeah, and we'll 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 uh, we'll switch off. We'll take turns actually reading out the nominees. So Dan, who do you have as your prediction for who will take home that Oscar? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with you know he's been cleaning up and everything leading up to this. It's got to be Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, it's got to be Robert Downey Jr. It would be quite an upset if uh, it were not. And I would say uh, part of, part of me would say that well maybe like Ryan Gosling gets sort of a like a part Sneaks of the in. boat you know like it's it's a it's a good story but now I think the narrative being that it's sexist that he was nominated at all I think kills even that chance so yeah for me it's got to be Robert Downey Jr. and actually uh, Robert Downey Jr. is also my my heart choice as well like I, I do think that was the best uh, supporting performance uh of the year at least uh, at least of the nominees i could mm -hmm. i maybe could pull out one or two that i like better elsewhere um, but uh he was my favorite how about you yeah i'm i'm actually gonna have to go with ryan gosling on that pick because right. for nothing more than like comedy is really fucking hard to pull off and to pull off in a convincing way and i don't i don't know i think he just he had it in spades for the whole time like there's just so many little like there I remember I was really high watching Barbie like a couple weeks ago <laughs> and I just kept rewinding and playing over again. I forget what it is. There's just some little scene where I think she's like not letting him come home or like stay over or something like that. And he does mm -hmm. this stupid laugh. And it's like, <laughs> and I just kept yeah. repeating it. It was so fucking funny. I was like, yeah. how, how is just that like little chuckle so funny? Ah, oh, he's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, he he's perfectly cast also. Mm -hmm. And man, uh people like this whole narrative around like oh it's sexist that he was nominated but Margot Robbie wasn't. Uh well, first of all, like being that dismissive of America Ferrera uh and yeah. her her accomplishment being nominated for the next category, uh that sucks that that her accomplishment is being overshadowed by people complaining, but also it's kind of Greta Gerwig's fault for making Ken the the most memorable role with the most formidable performance. Yeah, like, I, I mean, remember like, when I first. You could go back, play back the tape on our Barbie podcast. I, I I know I said something along the lines of like, isn't it kind of strange for this like feminist manifesto to have the most like compelling performance be like the one main dude? Or yeah, like the most complex character, I suppose. Right, right. Um, but like. And and I I mean I'm glad that it's that way because it's a better film for that. So like this isn't a movie that was designed to win awards. Where it's like oh I'm gonna give Margot Robbie her Oscar role right here. She just wanted to make an excellent film, and that's how you drive home the message all the better. I am a yep. little surprised that Gerwig didn't get director because like yeah this this thing is pretty impeccable. Yeah yeah we'll 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 get to it.
honestly, the only the only person who could win in this category where I'd be like bullshit would be De Niro. Yeah, um, yeah, like he was good, but like I don't know, he just wasn't doing enough. I don't. I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong there's with the not, quiet performance. It's fine, but I think I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is a fairly quiet performance. That's just every single moment and utterance is just so full of like specific intention and really complex stuff mm-hmm. that he's having to do. And I, I love watching an actor do a career pivot where that happens. And, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is no stranger to career pivots. But <laughs> I love seeing him like he's before like his his, you know, his public meltdown. He was getting nominated for Oscars back then, and then you know oh, yeah. spent the last the last decade and a half or more being Iron Man, and uh, now he's back, baby. And I I kind of just love that, and mm-hmm. he's just so like I, I just want to hear his speech. Also, yeah, yeah. Like, no, no really one, cool no one's moment. gonna, no one's gonna give a better speech than him. Who but do you who, have any any yeah. quick shout outs? Just quick, like, yeah. hey, this yeah, guy, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Antoine Renard's. Milo Machado Griner, Samuel Thace, Sean Arlo, and Snoop the Dog, all from Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, oh. We'll get into this more later on when we talk directing, but holy shit, there's so many fucking great supporting uh, male actors in that movie. Uh, it, it's wild. Anyway, uh, yeah, what about you? Anyone on uh, uh, who was not nominated that you wish were? So I'll I'll breeze through like there's four of them and I'll I'll go into detail about I'll say one stands out in the four but Ben Wishaw in passages or Wishaw 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 yep Wishaw yeah, yeah in passages he's excellent in that uh, Tao Yu in past lives I thought was incredible I thought he mm-hmm. like him uh, he was the best actor in of the three main people in that cast like he's what held that yeah. down yep um, for sure. Alessandro Borghi in Eight Mountains. So he's like the friend in that one. Uh, fucking hey. Um, if anyone else has seen it, please hit me up so we can gush about this. But the one I wanted to point out, it's a movie we both saw. It's an energy that you, it's so hard to find where the closest thing I can think of is like Heath Ledger and the Joker, where it's just like, you know, you're in danger whenever mm. he's on screen. Like you I just feel stressed. Um, and it's Luis Zahara in The Beasts. Any yeah, time, like, the, like the skinnier, this the the not like the, the not the, ring, the operation. Oh, the brains, not so okay. The ringleader guy, not the like sort of like slower brother, like, Where, but the, I, I was like, the main antagonist. The, yeah, I was yeah. thinking between the two of them, and like, yeah, the slower brother is like he's like that more fidgety nature that you're like, okay, right. I'm scared of that guy, but like it's because of Louis Sahara, and you can feel that in every moment mm-hmm. of the beasts, whenever like. Ugh, I just I, I'm getting chills thinking about it right now because he's just yeah. like he's just so menacing the whole time, but he's so quiet. Yeah, and you never yeah. know I when need, that's gonna pop. I need to see that movie again because I I don't disagree whatsoever, but for some reason the the whole of it didn't hit me quite as hard as it hit you. But I think that that's on me, not the movie, and I, I want to give it another shot. Well, it's on movie. Um, awesome, good to know. Yeah, the Beast is awesome. Uh, yep. All right, Dan, why don't you take us through the moving. nominees for actress in a supporting role? All right, moving right along to actress in a supporting role. We've got Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, clap, clap, clap. We've got Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple, claps. America Ferreira for Barbie. Jodie Foster for Nyad? Nyad. Nyad. <laughs> um, and Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. Jared, who do you think will be winning 
this year's supporting actress. Yeah, this is sort of another one horse race where it's it's almost certainly going to be Divine Joy Randolph for the holdovers. Agreed. Agreed. Um, she uh, is she's won I think literally everything uh, mm -hmm. leading up to this, and she should. She's mm -hmm. she's the best. She's the best. It's it's um, oh, so amazing. Yeah, yeah. I have no. I don't really have any notes here. Um, she she should win. She she was the best actress. It's, yeah, it's also my heart here too. I don't know about you. A thousand percent. Yeah, no. uh, yeah. Uh, by a lot. Yeah, just a yeah, just a genuinely special performance. Like, there's I, the word that keeps coming to my head is like there's like a dignity about her that's hard to oh, grasp. Oh yeah. But like just, yeah yeah a, a softness even in the face of like incredible uh, incredibly heightened stakes for her and it's and not like, yeah what, it's not like this, happened to her yeah it's not like this dignity where it's like a stiff upper lip and like not like there's still no. a lot of vulnerability to it too which and, is and really a lot of, and more than a lot of charisma yeah and the yeah. moments in the movie where the vulnerability actually wins over the dignity and the charisma just takes the performance to the next Ugh. level and my god yeah I've, I've got full body chills at the moment yep. just thinking about her um <laughs> she's gonna win and there's there's no there's no question as to why um i've got uh i okay my one shout out i i, I had a few but i'm gonna keep it to just one um because the other two are kind of just festival stuff that no one's gonna give a crap about but still watch the beasts on movie. Oh yeah. Uh, no, me. no, no. I uh, I actually think that Sandra Huller should have been nominated here for the zone of interest. Mm. It's not uncommon or unheard of uh, for one actor to be nominated both in the supporting and the lead categories for two different movies. It recently happened with uh, Scarlett Johansson back in uh, uh, the 2019 Oscars or, or movie movies uh, that came yeah, out yeah. 2019. And uh, Sandra Huller completely carries the movie, the zone of interest, even though she is not the lead. Like she's in a lot of it, but def there's definitely a different character that is the lead. She is terrifying. <laughs> like she is the source of so much of the unease. Mm -hmm. And she's such a, she's a live wire who is enveloped in this stateliness as the the matriarch of the house of of incredible and horrible power and um she fucking owns it and her performance is utterly an utterly different person than in anatomy of a fall that she is nominated for i think she should have been nominated for both um not it's not every year that you see all the best picture nominees and the thumbnails for each one and it's the same actor in two of them uh <laughs> yeah she should have been nominated here uh, as well, but I'm so glad that she was nominated for uh, for Best Actress anyway. Mm -hmm. How about you? Um, so I'll do yeah, quick shout outs. Um, I don't know if she counts as supporting actress, but Patty Lapone in Bo's Afraid was having so oh, yeah. much fucking fun. Would oh, she be yeah. a lead? No, I would say that's a supporting role. I think everyone in that besides Joaquin Phoenix is is yeah, supporting. Kind of one man show. Um, and then Paula Beer in A Fire. I don't think you've seen that one too, but like she's she there's a lot of that's put on her shoulders that she has to do but the key is she has to do it in a way that you don't notice until the very end 
Um, it, it's just like I can't really get too much into it because I think it'll it'll break like what the experience yeah. of the film. But she, she, it's a very tricky needle that she has to thread, and she does it well. Um, but this one, I mean, I don't think this kind of performance will ever get nominated for an Oscar. I just thought it was so fucking fun. Uh, was Rosamund Pike in Saltburn? She was having oh, yeah. a blast in that. Oh one. yeah, every line she dropped was perfect. You know, there it was some uttering of the Academy potentially having a soft spot for Saltburn that was going around last week. I guess that didn't come to pass, but a lot of people were actually calling Rosamund Pike for Saltburn mm. in this category, and uh, it didn't happen because it looks like America Ferreira is kind of the the, the sneaker entry in mm. here. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, I could definitely have seen that happen in a, a very, very close alternate reality. Yeah, where going like kind of with the Ryan Gosling thing, it's just like she's like the comedy is effortless for her. But like anyone who's the best to do it, like it looks effortless, but that meet that shows just how difficult it is. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, moving on to animated feature film. The nominees are The Boy and the Heron, Elemental. Nimona, Robot Dreams, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Dan, right. who have you got as taking this one? My head and my heart are perfectly aligned on this one with Boy and yeah. the Heron. I know that Spider-Man's going, like, <sighs> Spider-Man probably is going to win. I'm not sure. Mm, but I'm kind of so. manifesting Boy and the Heron by putting it in my head pick as well. It is... Oh, it's so good. It's one of my favorite films from last year. Yeah. I I also have it with the head and the heart. Oh. Uh, I'm not the biggest Miyazaki fan, but The Boy and the Heron is one of my favorites of his movies, I think. And, I, okay, so I did grapple a little bit. Actually, between like for, for the head choice, the heart choice is 100% The Boy and the Heron, but my head choice was was very split between Boy and the Heron, Spider-Man, as you said, and actually yeah. Elemental. Um, you think that'll sneak in? They're, they're, Pixar is just very, very, very popular yeah. in this voting block. Uh, like Pixar never discount movie, Disney. Pixar movies. Well, you can discount Disney. You don't discount Pixar. Like mm. there's been there have been uh, Pixar movies in this category in the past that won despite not being the best one, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I, that could happen here, except there's such a big difference between the best movies in this category and the Pixar movie in this category. I don't think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. But then you got Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and The Boy and the Heron. But, but in both cases, these are creative teams that have won in this category in the past. And so who knows like, uh, mm -hmm. if, like how, how the voters might go between the two. I, I'm kind of thinking that Miyazaki maybe has earned more of a legacy award at this point. And also Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse might suffer from being like really just like the first half of a mm. movie. Like they might be saving it for part two. Part three. Yeah. Or, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Part right, two, right, right. two. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain the boy and the Heron's got it. And uh, rightfully so. Um, I have not seen Robot Dreams, which is also sort of a sneaker 
uh, inclusion here. Not a lot of people have seen Robot Dreams. Yeah, I've seen, seen I've seen all the others. Uh, so I can't really say that Robot Dreams shouldn't be in there, but in my by my estimation, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem certainly should be in here, and that's not uh, that's not an unpopular sentiment this week. Mm-hmm. But I gotta throw my voice on the pile there. Uh, that movie is exceptional, very similar vein as the Spider Verse movies. I have quite a bit of nostalgia for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and uh, but this movie is so full of heart. It's like a very different version of the Ninja Turtles, very updated for like the Gen Z or even Gen Alpha aesthetic, and uh, it, it's impeccable. Like it, it's so full of detail and so charming, and the voice acting is so great, and it's got such a beautiful soul. It's like so hmm. pure and cozy and good-hearted where like even the villains are like kind of like softies and like you kind of like you know just want everyone to be happy and friends in this movie and uh yeah i, I fucking loved it um do you, you have any any shout outs in this category dan unfortunately outside of the list of the astronomes i hadn't seen any animated movies outside of those i'm a bad uh movie goer i suppose big stupid grown-up watch that that teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah, movie it's yeah, really good that. Real good. Yeah, like we should, maybe, maybe maybe we could both watch Robot Dreams. Oh yeah, 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 yeah that'd be fun to watch. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're definitely, and that's something I like about the Oscars too. Is like some of these categories do highlight films that I'm like, oh, I, a maybe I hadn't even heard of it, or maybe I was like, oh, is it that good? Like, yeah, I, it seemed like it was okay, but now I'm like, oh, maybe I'll give it a look. Yeah, there's a little bit of a surprise nomination in this next category. So why don't you uh, walk us through it? All right, we got cinematography here, and uh, we're going to start bottom to the top because, yeah, the last one's a bit of a surprise. A pleasant surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. Um, We got Poor Things with cinematographer Robbie Ryan, uh, Oppenheimer by Hoyt Van Hoytema. Uh, We got Maestro with Matthew Libetique. Libetique? That's just what I'm going to go with. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon with Rodrigo Prieto. Prieto. Uh, And this one, which is out of left field. Uh, honestly, uh, El Conde with Edward Lackman uh, doing the cinematography. Now, I've seen El Conde, and I get it. I get why that's there. The uh, cinematography is immaculate in that. I have some problems with the film as like a straight story, but you cannot fault the imagery in this one. Uh, So I think it very much deserves to be there. Uh, Jared, who do you think is going to win it? Oh man, this one I think actually is a little bit tough because every fiber of my being wants to say that Oppenheimer. This will be one of the the you know the Oppenheimer sweeps, um, but I I do think that there's some some more traditional cinematography in one other movie that uh, is very memorable and beautiful. And a little bit more like on the Academy's level, mm. uh, and that's uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think I, what does it, I think, is the the um, the traditional dance scene that's just full of color and movement um, at the end of the film. Uh, really sticks in my head. Maybe it is because it's that recency bias of being like you know the end of the film. Yeah, uh, but I do. think think there's something to that and i actually don't think killers of the flower moon is going to come out on top many times 
Uh, but this could be one of them where it yeah. does. Uh, what about you? What are you saying? Uh, probably I had, will take it. I had the same, basically the same dialogue in my head between those two films, and that those those are the only two real picks I was considering. But I think Oppenheimer edges it out. Um, but I do put Killers of the Flower Moon as my heart pick. I think I like the cinematography of Killers of the Flower Moon a little bit more. Yeah, I got that flip. So Oppenheimer is my heart pick. Um, man, this is going to be so fucking highfalutin, but I very much bought into like the, uh, you know, the big format Oppenheimer uh, thing that Christopher Nolan wa wanted us to, where I saw it like on several different formats, right? I saw it on 70 millimeter film, but not IMAX. I saw it on like big screen, but not true IMAX, you know, Limax. <laughs> Uh, but still dual laser, so it looked super sharp. But then I saw it in like actual, honest to God, IMAX, and that experience was weird. Like um, I'd never, it, it made me feel things that I'd never felt before watching a movie. Um, the the scenes where we are peering inside of Oppenheimer's head while he is theorizing kind of the you know quantum mechanics quantum physics and we're seeing those quantum scale particles flying around and zipping around and uh it overwhelmed me in a way that i'd never felt before watching a movie and i think it's um incredible and i'm a sucker for a desert landscape i mean i guess you could say a similar thing for killers of the flower moon yeah. um uh but yeah yeah uh it, it I, I could go either way. Like, I wouldn't be mad if Killers of the Flower Moon won, and I actually think it's going to. Okay. I mean, yeah, and, like, these are head picks, so it's, like, that's what we, uh, we're betting will win. We're, yeah, I mean, either one are, like, perfectly worthy of winning the Oscar. Um, I think the reason why I have Killers of the Flower Moon a little bit higher, I mean, there's probably this bias where in the last two years, I've been on a massive Scorsese kick. So I'm just like really, really attuned to that right now. And just like really interested in the way that he shoots things and his influence and stuff like that. So I think I'm just kind of in like the very hair's breadth of if I have to pick one or the other, I think it falls on Killers of the Flower Moon for me. Um, do you have any like shout outs of just like cool looking films this year? Yeah, I'll save one of these for a later category, but um, one that won't appear in a later category that I think is actually pretty fantastic, but not the type of movie that would really ever get nominated for this sort of Oscar. And John Wick Chapter Four, uh, yep, yep, I think yep. is got the same. I, I think Fuck yeah, I think is I think it's gorgeous. Uh, it almost reminds me of of Deacon's work on Skyfall. Yeah, where like yeah, all, all the like the the like the neons, like the very like the vibrant colors, kind of. Uh, making their way, like blasting through the darkness, and then just that one, like really, really unique shot the with the dragon's scene. breath, the overhead like video game scene, uh, just fucking rules. And this, the movie's full of really, really nice cinematography, and uh, yeah, I think I think uh, it deserves some credit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was on my list too, so I won't shout that one out. Um, I'll shout out the Eight Mountains again. I mean, it's. It's slightly cheating that they're using the Italian Alps. So, like, of course, it's going to be gorgeous. But they do this interesting thing with the aspect ratio. You would think with uh, mountains, you'd want to go super wide and broad and grand. They tighten it, actually. And it makes it... You don't feel constricted, though. It actually 
it it um in a way it, it makes the mountains even taller because you know it, because of the aspect ratio they're they're kind of squished a little bit and even higher and it's like it's something when you know that you have beautiful imagery they don't like they're not flashy about it they're never like really sweeping these big vistas they're just like fucking mountains dude look at them it's like in, in a way that like it's a very natural way to look at them um but another one for uh i would say i guess if there was like something for something that pushes cinematography in a cool direction uh skinamarink that'll be the first time of a handful of times yeah. i bring that up like I can totally, there's no way in no world would this ever get an Oscar for cinematography, but there's just something about, like, when you think about what cinematography is, it's like, you know, creating a frame to tell a story and evoke a mood, like, that's pretty much, that and editing, that's who all Skinamarink is. Yeah, and quite unique in that way, and uh, we'll talk about it more momentarily, I guess. Um, all right, moving along. We've got the costume design category where nominees are Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Uh, what do you think will win here, Dan? I don't see how Barbie doesn't win this one. I mean, it's it, it's pretty impeccable. Like yeah, what they did, right. what they did with the costuming is like, and the costuming as like costuming to tell a story. I don't yeah. think there's one other film that's even seeking to get on that same level or same level of precision, but no, Barbie's got to be far and away the winner here. No, nah, not far and away. Well, I think it's going to win. I think uh, everything that you said is true. I also think that people associate Barbie as a movie and Barbie as a brand with fashion yeah. and with what she's wearing. I mean, the costuming is a more substantial ingredient to this movie's success than any of the other movies, except for the one that I put the heart next to. Oh, we might um, have the same one. Which is Poor Things. Yep, same. Uh, yeah, the, co the costumes in Poor Things are, are magnificent. They're wild. They're original. They're so imaginative. They, they weren't working off of a template the way... Uh, you know, Barbie was. And that's not to take anything away from Barbie. You know, uh, those confines... Uh, are actually pretty empowering in that case. But the costumes and poor things are really fucking beautiful and mm -hmm. weird, just like the movie is. And uh, that's what I would pick. I think there's a little bit more artistry behind it, but uh, I don't think anything has a chance against Barbie here. No, and, and it's a very well-deserved, like, if slash when they win it, it's more than deserved on their end. Um, yeah, and like you're saying, it's, like, it's just a slight, that's a great point of like, Barbie's confines is what makes it shine so much, and poor thing's utter freedom is what makes it shine so much. So it's kind of just like which <laughs> which do you prefer? Also, like very much, very, very much a, a perfect metaphor for those two movies and their yeah, similarities yeah. and differences. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah uh, I, I need. I'm going to shout out this movie a couple times momentarily here, but uh, I really, really think that Asteroid City should have been on here instead of Oppenheimer or Napoleon or Killers of the Flower Moon. I think uh, the, the costuming in, in Asteroid City is simply far more ambitious. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Uh, they dress Margot Robbie just as, just as beautifully. Uh, <laughs> uh, Asteroid City got fucking oh, like, shut well. out. And you know me, man. I'm not like dick riding on Wes Anderson like whatsoever. But man, Asteroid City deserved it here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, got I had them else? popping up. I had them popping up in costume design too. I'm really surprised Priscilla didn't get in there as well. Uh, costumes in that, um, especially of the titular character, are wonderful. Another one that I would have been, I'm a little surprised also got fully shut out. Um, the costumes in the Iron Claw rule. I love <laughs> the costumes yeah. in the Iron Claw. Ah, dudes are looking so good the whole time. Yeah, I mean, but how how much of that is just like you know the dudes compared <laughs> does, to like what they're wearing help how, mu- how much of it like how that. much of it is what they're not wearing you know what i mean <laughs> but, but that see, counts it, as costume design right yeah like, it totally counts as to- ah, yeah does becoming beefy is that part of it maybe that's hair and makeup i don't know um yeah another... does like there's like does like artful nudity count as costume design because <laughs> no if so costume at all if if so like that's another point for poor things <laughs> um just a fun like little uh uh film festival shout out too is irati i thought had great costumes oh as yeah well. but yeah. like it of course wasn't gonna get enough buzz but it, i think it's on netflix now i forget if it is check it out it's a great like you know not sword and sorcery um but like high not even high fantasy like green knight kind of fantasy style costumes would be the best way to put it like pretty grounded in history pretty much like lord of the rings yeah Yep, I definitely can see that. All right, let's move along. Uh, walk us through the next category, Dan. Yeah, we got editing here, folks. Let me go. Film down. editing. Film editing. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. yeah, wait, wait. There is no sound editing category anymore. That's all. No, yeah. They got rid- I'm kind of glad because it was kind of splitting hairs. <laughs> who, who the hell knew the difference? <laughs> Other than the people nominated. Yeah, it's like every year I had to like re-look up. Wait, so what's the difference again? So for film editing, we got Anatomy of a Fall. We've got The Holdovers. We've got Killers with Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Jared, who's taking home a shiny bolt or a shiny bald man? Okay, I this is a, a cliche at this point. I say this every year, but I do think that a lot of the times this category isn't so much best editing as it is most editing. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Although I think that they might be one in the same this year, and it, it's probably has to be Oppenheimer. That's why uh, I have as they're, well. They're like the editing is so crucial to to the, the success of the film, and you know, obviously, editing is a is hugely, you know, it, it's foundational to the success of any film. This movie, the way just the way it's structured, though, is like it's editing forward. Like the editing is the thing, um, and to be fair. It is Christopher Nolan's script. Like the edit is in the script mm-hmm. um, to a, a ridiculous extent because that's the way his brain works. Um, so, uh, where I was telling you before we started recording, I read a comment online that Christopher Nolan shoots time the way that Christopher uh, Quentin Tarantino shoots feet. Which for <laughs> and, a film uh, director, that's a good thing to fetishize. Absolutely. Time, not feet. Right, right, right. Well, you know, um, Feet's neutral. But, Time, good. Yeah, yeah. I have a different heart pick, but, but what do you have for uh, for the head? Uh, for head, it's also Oppenheimer. I mean, for pretty much the same reason as you. So I'll move over to the heart pit, heart pick. And kind of goes into the most editing where it's not baked into the very structure of the film, but it's just like moment to moment, like editing to create the emotion or create the joy involved in its poor things. I had so much fucking fun with the editing and uh, poor things, especially like, at the very, very end. I'll never forget like the stupid goat cut. Oh my oh, God. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's such a big <laughs> laugh. Um, for the heart, I've got anatomy of a fall. 
Oh, well, um, for the record, I have not seen Anatomy of a Fall yet, so I can't. That maybe, is, maybe um, it would be. That's a major gap for you there. I know uh, it's a major gap. I need to get the, to it. The, the editing in Anatomy of a Fall is also sort of one of the main ingredients mm. in you in ways that are unique. Mm. Um, it has a little bit more of a subtle hand than Oppenheimer or Poor Things. Uh, it has unusually long takes that are fairly static, and so the cuts end up being more impactful right mm. like fewer mm -hmm. fewer cuts makes it more impactful but then also there are interesting sort of gimmicky scenes where the editing is crucial to the success of this the gimmick of the scenes and i just thought it was neat i don't know i also thought that the editing in oppenheimer was just impeccable as well even though it's a little bit more heavy-handed mm -hmm. but uh yeah I, I do think that the the Editing in Anatomy of the Fall is my favorite uh, of these uh, films. Uh, you already talked about Skinner Rink. I think you should talk about it more because I also would say the editing in Skinner Rink is um, amazing. Crucial. And, yeah, and, I, and I also crucial. have Skinner Rink on that. As but, much as I said, the cinematography is a story. It's yeah, as like cinematography only works if it's supported by editing. Um, so Skinner Rink, yeah. Um, How to Blow Up a Pipeline, I thought had yeah. excellent editing too to really ratchet up the tension. Um, mm -hmm. an another film that we had talked about earlier this year that I think its biggest strength is its editing is Talk to Me. I thought Talk to Me had excellent editing in that one as well. Oh yeah. Like I I'm mean, thinking the, specifically the, of like the first like quote unquote like drug trip scene where they're just hitting and hitting and hitting and going over and over yeah. and over. That montage was uh, very excellent. It's an excellent excellent music video right there. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I also called attention to how to blow up a pipeline for the same reasons that you mentioned. Um, yeah, yeah. Let, let's just let's kind of keep this momentum going. We have not seen enough of the international features to have any opinion here. The only one that I have seen of, of the five is zone of interest, but mm -hmm. I will say, I, I do want to comment on them and do at least shout outs because man, France fucked up, not choosing anatomy of a fall as their <laughs> submission. Cause yeah. man, it, it would really be duking it out with the zone of interest. I don't see the zone of interest not winning. Even even if I haven't seen the others, I at least know that the zone of interest is nominated in several other categories. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, you can almost just uh, statistically assume it's going to win because the people that voted it in to all of those other categories are voting for international feature. So it would be strange, uh, maybe impossible for it not to win. Yeah, um, it would be unusual. But man, if Anatomy of the Fall is in there, that would be quite the fucking showdown. Mm -hmm. And it, it's weird that it isn't. Uh, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, I kind of uh, essentially. I also have not seen enough of the foreign features yet. I, that'll be. What is the Oscars this year? How much time do we have? I think it's March first. Oh, so I got plenty of time. Um, but for shoutouts, uh, I'm trying to think of the shoutouts I haven't brought up yet. The Beasts. Yeah, I've already talked about that. Um, oh, another uh, film festival, and that was excellent. I'm really surprised it didn't make as much waves as it did. Maybe I need to look up its release schedule. But Next Sohi out of South Korea, I thought was brilliant. Um, pretty much following the same trend as like your Parasites and uh, a lot of other South Korean filmmakers that 
I think some of the best like critiques of late capitalism are coming out of South Korean film right now. And Nexo, he is right in lockstep with a lot of those. Um, another one, also one that got just about no looks this year, um, A House in Jerusalem, I thought was also excellent. I think I've said earlier on the podcast or in earlier episodes, it's basically Pan's Labyrinth just set up to the current Israeli occupation. So I thought that was an excellent film. Um, and Godzilla minus one, I thought. Uh, yeah. No, is it nominated? Godzilla minus one. No, it's nominated for special effects. It's not. That's it. But it, well, it was. It was not. It was not Japan's submission. For oh, because of Perfect Days, feature. which I hear Perfect Days is wonderful. I can't wait to yeah. see that one. I also hear that Monster is wonderful. Japan just had a lot of choices. Yeah, yeah. This year, but I think if you know if they had been able to predict the global success of Godzilla minus one, they may have done that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it and it may have actually stood a chance against the zone of interest, but those would be my main uh, international shout outs. What about you? Uh, yeah, we covered everything here that I wanted to talk about. Um, let's move right along to uh, makeup and hairstyling, where the nominations are Golda, Maestro, Oppenheimer again, Four <laughs> Things again, and. Society of the Snow, which is also nominated in the previous category, international film, and I, I have to see that one soon because I I love the director J. A. Bayona, mm-hmm. and um, I love good just harrowing true story. Um, I've got uh, in this one, I've got the head and the heart both on poor things. Yep, yep, that's where I'm lined up too. Um, because kind of yeah. like what we were saying about costume, where it's like the the hair and makeup is actively part of the storytelling. And right. I think it's central to uh, to the characters that you're seeing. That's another one I'm really surprised Barbie didn't get on that list. I thought that was essentially a lock. Yeah, I mean, it's a it looks like appears to be a pretty stacked category this year, though. I know Society of the Snow just because like what it's about, it really really necessitates this stuff. Um, Maestro, man, it's controversial, and I don't think it's gonna ha- get any votes. Because like who who wants to vote for Maestro and be like yeah I'm okay with like people potentially seeing me as anti-Semitic, <laughs> um, uh, Golda I can't speak to I mean I've seen the trailer and stuff and like they really like did, did an amazing job of transforming uh, Helen Mirren into the real Golda Meir um, but I haven't seen the film but I do know oh. that people do really really um, really love that transformation, but I still, even so, I think poor things has too much going for it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, what do you got for any shout outs here? Any I, cool? I got to I got to Again, I'm going to be a little bit of a broken record here. Uh, Asteroid city. Yep. Has yeah, I agree with that. amazing makeup and hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really. And, and a lot of different characters, a lot of different types of characters, a lot of different types of people. Um, Many of them, uh, and this goes for costume design as well. Uh, they're they're doing the hair and makeup and costume for the same actor playing different roles, like playing a role and then the actor playing that role. And oftentimes, they are very, very dissimilar people, mm-hmm. and um, they're having to do it both in the the um you know the monochromatic scenes as well as the full color and that adds a whole other layer of complexity which of course they did in oppenheimer as well um but asteroid city not being here sucks yeah yeah and it does you you mentioned it does one of my favorite things with like huge casts like this and then you know make it even more complicated where the huge cast also plays multiple characters where 
their hair and makeup and their costuming, like you just look at an image of them and you immediately know so many things about this person. And uh, yep. they're immediately like, not shoved, put into archetypes, not in a restricting way, but in a way that you can, you can put a ton of characters on the screen quickly and you have the information you need. Yeah. Yeah. Like my favorite example is uh, Scarlett Johansson's character's character. <laughs> uh, so like the, at the very end of the Hall of Mirrors, the one, like the character in the play who's like a famous actress. The character is a famous actress who's being played by a famous actress who's being played by a famous actress. The one that's like the most of a character. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's like got this. She's like trying to com like com like remain glamorous, but she's like uh, she's trapped out in the hot desert, and like <laughs> the way her makeup actually looks on her is like so specific and like. Uh, it sort of gets worse and worse as it goes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty awesome. And yeah, I, I wish it would have been nominated here. Mm. Okay, the only other, I, I mentioned Barbie uh, already, but another one that also surprised me up there with the, the wardrobes as well is Priscilla, where the hair and makeup is also central to the storytelling and seeing her through the eight, well, both of them, the, the, the main couple through the ages and how they changed their looks and what styles they tend to adopt and what that says about them, what that says about the time. Like, you know, these two people were fashion icons all the from yeah, their clothes, but then their hair and their makeup as well. And I thought uh, Coppola did a great job of leading that, like that effort. I, I just am surprised that it got nothing for it. Yeah, yeah. same, same, very much so. So um, we are now moving going. on. Yep, on to original score music. Uh, we've got American Fiction, uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Jared, who do you got? I've got the head and the heart in the same spot here. Ooh, and ooh, uh, ooh. this is that. This was actually this was a tough one for me. But um, I mean, it's I mean, he's winning all of the precursors like so far. He hasn't been challenged at all. And that's uh, uh, Ludwig Göransson for Oppenheimer. It's uh, it's uh, a, a extraordinarily ambitious score. Like it, it's 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 wild. It's um, uh, it's like two and a half hours of music. <laughs> and it's uh, that movie does a really, really, really tough thing where it's almost operatic where editing and the performances and the score all blend together to create one impact where there are very, very few scenes without music being prominent and loud in the mix. Yeah. And uh, uh, being just actually like that level of ambition of, of having to score like in you know, a three hour movie with uh, that much music and just uh, when we're in the absence of it leads to like extraordinary impact. I just, I just got to go with it. Even though I, um, I think I liked the music more in poor things. I don't respect it quite <laughs> as much. Yeah. I, I kind of, I'm pretty much exactly the same head in the heart, both Oppenheimer and I had the same problem where I, I really, really wanted to pick. Poor yeah. Thing, me, me too. Uh, I just put it because it's just like the music is so I think it's because I would rather listen to poor things soundtrack just like separate from the film. 
But then I had to think like, okay, well, why would something win best original score? Not because the music just rocks on its own, but it's because how it is part of the greater film and the, the experience. I'm like, okay, if I'm looking at it in that sense, then yeah, it's like nothing such an Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, I think uh, it would be strange for it not to win. And uh, you know, I, I fucking love Ludwig, man. He's had such a remarkable Aww. career and he's like, he's like I love my you too, Spears. Uh, yeah. He, I don't trust a guy with two last names <laughs> like that though. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, man, it's just like going from like, you know, being the, the guy who made the beats for Childish Gambino to like where he's at now is incredible. Fucking, fucking awesome. Awesome. And uh, like, what a, what a, a generational talent. Uh, I will say it's fucking shitty that, that Joe Hisaishi is not in here for the boy and the heron. Oh, I know. Uh, and John Williams is. Uh, John Williams, this is his. 56th Academy Award nomination, <laughs> uh, which uh, extends his record for the most Academy Award nominations of any person. Yeah. He's also the now he re remains and extends his record of the oldest Academy Award nominee of all time. I think he's 93 right now, 94. Um, goddamn, dude, this is gonna be cold as fuck, but like, why do they keep having to make the Oscars a preemptive funeral for this man? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like what the one last one? Fuck, dude! Like, what? Like, how much new music was even in that score, and how much of it was just? How much of this score is comprised of scores that he has already been nominated for before? <laughs> yeah, it's it, got to be at least half of it. You're not wrong, and uh, wrong. and uh, d d like the 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 disrespect for for Hisaishi here should have been nominated, you know, twenty times already, and hasn't been. Uh, wild. Uh, the the music in the boy and the heron is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's it kind of in the same way, similar to how you're talking about with Oppenheimer, except it spends much more time in that negative space where you're saying it's like the music is kind of pulsating, not pulsating, but just kind of throbbing through Oppenheimer the whole time. It's those silent moments where it like really hits, or when something really big happens. But uh. Hisaishi and uh, Boy in the Heron, like there's a lot more in a lot of Miyazaki's work. It it sits in that negative space much more, which almost makes the moment of musical swells way more prominent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's still is yeah, there's still a lot of music, and it's all very good. Oh yeah, and yeah. Not to uh, say it's sparse, no. No, it, and it's it's pretty in like the kind of more traditional sense, but there's also some like kind of weird creative stuff in there too. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, Any... sad not being in there. Uh, yeah. There's others. There's others. Like I think Godzilla minus one uh, has a remarkable score. John Williams esque, but not John Williams. <laughs> uh, uh, all original music up until the final moments of the film. Where yeah, they just that was so the, cool though. The greatest needle drop of the year with the <laughs> original Godzilla theme played at the precise moment uh for maximum impact mm -hmm. and uh yeah sad, sad not seeing that here also i just gotta say asteroid city one more time you know i'm a, a fanboy that's why um for for display and uh you know uh, that score isn't nearly as monumental as some of the other ones like there's actually not a whole lot of music in asteroid city but the songs that are in there man they're really good 
uh, I, the score, I mean, uh, and I think that's probably why it's not nominated is a lot of the movie is scored just with soundtrack instead, yeah. um, which is which is neat. But the the original music by Desplat is really, really nice in Asteroid City as well. Um, yeah, a couple of these are more shout outs, not ones I really expect to get in. I thought Boa's Afraid's music was a lot of fun. Like mm. it definitely drives the tension and the unease. You need that there in, in any film where it's sort of thrives on that mood of anxiety like you need music to keep that going um and mm -hmm. then just for like yep. really cool like genre film sort of mood setting music they clone tyrone has an excellent soundtrack that i really like um as with everything in that film i'll mention it a couple more times uh but before the night's up like everything just kind of whirls together in this really fun fusion of uh of different genres for a really unique experience rad i still need to see it man very fun. it's a very fun one all um, right oh no you got the Take next it. one oh i got the next one all right you've got <laughs> the fire inside from flame and hot uh biopic about the creator of flame and hot cheetos uh which sounds silly but he has an amazing story if you don't know the story of the guy oh. who invented flame and hot cheetos what a fucking like uh perfect uh like uh american dreams a hollywood story. story yeah for sure but uh, anyway music and lyrics by diane warren who has now been nominated i believe 12 years in a row oh, wow. without winning oh wow. um i'm pretty sure uh but she's been nominated for a total of like 20 something of these i think um and i think has only won once or twice i i don't know exactly i just know that like it's almost a joke right now that like you have to nominate diane warren in this category even though she never wins uh but moving along i'm just ken from barbie by mark ronson it never went away from american symphony uh by john batiste lovely man lovely music uh i'm not i'm not going to disrespect the um the indigenous language by by attempting this and failing at the song a song <laughs> for my people from killers of the flower moon uh musical lyrics by scott george uh Awesome that that's there. And then uh, what I made for also from Barbie by you know, Phineas and, and Billie Eilish. Mm -hmm. um, Dan, I'll let you go with uh, your, your picks here. I just, for some reason, Twitter is really upset about this right now, but I just don't see how I'm just Ken's not going to win this. Like, I, I really don't understand why maybe I'm missing something or there's some piece of information that has not been revealed to me, but like, everyone was like kind of mad when I'm just Ken won the Emmy and I'm like, or there yeah, the Emmy. I'm like, well, why? I don't understand. Not the it's, Emmy. That's, that's or, Emmy's Golden Globe, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The Is Golden, Golden Globe. Globe. Yeah. It won best song for Golden in, in uh, the Golden Globes. I'm like, yeah, well, why wouldn't it have? I think we can fact just that. No, I don't think so. I think what was I made for won the Golden Globe. Yeah, what, what was I made for won the Golden Globe? What, what was I made for is winning most of them. I think I'm just Ken won the Critics' Choice Award. Oh, that's what they okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he won. I knew it was one of the bigger ones leading up. Oh yeah, and then we got we had the viral moment of uh, Ryan Gosling being confused. It's like about what? it. Really? Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's the big show stopping tune. Yeah, it's like a silly meme song as well, and that and you know I don't know if the Academy likes that or not, but it's like it's the singing in the rain moment, which is kind of cool. Yeah, uh, this would be a good one where you know how people have been saying the last few years, like uh, the Oscars are like getting out of touch. It's just for like middle-aged white dudes. Um, they like 
so they tried to put in like you know like the most like cheerable moment bullshit and stuff like that like this just seems like an easy layup to be like hey we're in touch with the youths and the, the folks we love that barbie ken song yeah I'm wait 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 <clears throat> so wait by by giving an oscar to a song written by and performed by middle-aged white men <laughs> But it's like the you know it's like the meme song now that the kids on the TikToks are using. I don't know. I think by your own logic that Billie Eilish would win that. Like if you they're trying to appeal to the kids. Yeah, I guess um, it would, like it would go either way. Um, I mean, it's not going to be the I, other three. Uh, no, no, almost certainly not. Uh, and we know for sure it's not going to be as cool of a song as from last year. No, no, <laughs> it's not. Not to, not to. Uh, um, yeah, but, I'm, but I'm not. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm pilled. I don't know what to tell you. That, that's your that's your head in the heart. Yeah, I've got I've got heart. head in the heart for what was I made for? I mean, mm. it's just it's been winning almost all of the precursors. Uh, Billie Eilish has won before and recently. It's the same voters. She's monumentally popular. You know, uh, if you're if you other than like Taylor Swift and Beyonce, there's no one more popular in music currently than Billie Eilish. Yeah, I, I I think it's just a gorgeous song too. Like, I mean, I want it to win because I think it's lovely, but uh, I think it's going to. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm slightly swayed. I'll keep I'll keep my stance because I'm a man of of honor. I I, I um, would be happy if I'm just Ken one, but I do think the like sexism narrative also pushes it towards uh, Billy. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, cause, yeah, yeah. The votes haven't happened or haven't quite happened yet. Um. But what do you got? Do you have any other highlights or songs that you want to throw out there? <laughs> I don't. I I've wish I one. did. I, I I saw the Willy Wonka movie, which is just chocked to the brim with new songs, original songs, and I don't remember a single one of them. <laughs> the music in that movie is so unremarkable. But what's uh, yours? Um, the opposite of a shout out. I shout down. Yeah. Um, I've got from theater camp. Camp isn't home. Have you seen theater camp yet? Oh no. I, I started watching it. You know what happened? I started watching it and uh, like five, 10 minutes into it. I said, Oh no, 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 no. I cannot watch this without, without my wife. Uh, uh, she and I, she and I are both, we're both theater kids. Like we, we did, we didn't do plays together, but we were sort of the same circle, like theater circles. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's a type of movie like if if she and I are going to watch a movie together, it's usually going to be something a little bit lighter than I yeah, yeah. typically go for. So I, I have to save it for her, and it, we just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Um, so I won't I won't say much else because talking about it will reveal a lot of things about what happens in the movie. Um, but we are scooting right along with production design. So now we've got five more nominees with Barbie. Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Who do you got? Who do you got? I definitely got Barbie for both columns here. Yep, same, same. I mean, it's, I, 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 if anything is the if anything is the fundamental element of the design of this movie, it is the production design, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Good lord, like how amazing is it seeing practical sets built with purpose and intention and utter craftsmanship um yeah i mean the movie is all about it and uh it doesn't work without it being impeccable i love 
I mean, uh, I, I, I'll let you talk about it more. I'm, I, I'm still all the wind out of this one. Part of it, you know how I know it's so incredible, is any time we're not in one of the pre-designed sets, I want I want to get back. Like, the moment we get into, like, real world, like, Santa Monica or Venice Beach and, like, L.A. and stuff yeah. like that, I'm like, what are we doing here? I don't want to be yeah, here. Like, send me well, back to Barbie land. Other than the like uh, sort of expressionistic Mattel, oh, yeah, the office, office building, yeah, yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Even that, I love that. I'll be in there too. Yeah, yeah, uh, all about it, man. Uh, it, it's so good. I, I can't imagine it not winning. Like it's no, the most it's... popular movie on the list. It definitely deserves it. Mm-hmm. It would be strange for it not to win. Although I do love the production design of Poor Things for similar the... reasons to Barbie. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a little bit. It's a lot less tangible, though. Like yeah, o- yeah, oddly yeah. enough, like I, f- I feel like Barbie is more physically constructed. Poor things, I think, makes a lot of use of either paintings or CGI backgrounds or both. Like green, either green screen or paintings or both. To like pretty liberal use of, and um, certainly. As far as like the set design aspect of yeah, production yeah. For, design, it definitely really kills it a little bit. A microscope on one thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, even though but, it is gorgeous as, as well. Yeah, but I do agree. Like, poor things would be the number two here. Um, you got any fun shout outs for interesting sets that you saw? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Asteroid City again. Yep. Like, yeah. I think yep. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> Yes, like the production design in Asteroid City is fucking uproariously funny. Yeah, yeah, kind kind of similar to Barbie in that sense too. And like that kind of like it's a little artificial too in the way that Barbie like fully leans into that. But like Asteroid City has that same oh, yeah. quality. Well, it's intentionally it's supposed to be a play, and like uh, yeah, there's yeah, this yeah. running joke in the whole thing where you you see the production like a like the production design of a theater production, but you're seeing a camera move through it and it doesn't make it doesn't work or make sense and yeah, yeah they ring so much humor out of that and i think that's so hysterical as a theater artist myself who loves movies mm-hmm. um and then the uh, uh this another movie that you know has the black like you know black and white scenes as well as the full color scenes we talked about it before the difference between the two but the amount of texture that's in those black and white scenes similarly to oppenheimer that is nominated uh is really outstanding and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Asteroid City is like the one that keeps coming up over and over again for me. Like that's the movie that I'm the most bummed out didn't get nominated for anything. Yeah, it's genuinely uh, bizarre that it's not con- like this one. I felt like if anything, it would sneak into this one if it would get like quote unquote just one. Yeah, um, and I got to and I got to remind everyone I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan, but Asteroid City is really good. Hmm. Um, couple of other uh, production designs I really like. The creator, I thought, was just really cool for its scope. You know, creating a new mm. sci-fi world. Um, and usually movies like that get rewarded in the production design category. Um, and I thought John Wick 4 for its production design, I thought, was pretty excellent as well. Um, like, pretty much every fight scene. Kind of, it, I think it's a great uh, callback to, to Roger Deakins there and his work on Bond. Like, I think the way that, like... The fight scenes, yeah, obviously work because of the performers and the talent and, and the way that it's shot. But, like, the, the space that they're always in is so expressive mm-hmm. and it's so cool. Every And it's so, like, everyone's, like, so fresh and original. And then, I mean, also production design with gags. Like, 
the falling down stair gag for 20 yeah. fucking minutes. <laughs> oh yeah. What a what an ambitious set piece that was. In oh, a movie so that is comprised almost exclusively of ambitious set pieces. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, you got so moving line. You got sound. Yeah, yeah. A movie that you just mentioned is nominated here. It's the creator. Mm-hmm. Then we've got Maestro. We've got Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, which uh, this is the first Mission Impossible film to be nominated for an Oscar. Which uh, cool. is yeah, considering like the technical mastery of all those movies, that is a little weird. Um, then we've got Oppenheimer, and we've got The Zone of Interest. Dan, who do you got taking this one? This one feels like it's going to be easy, head and heart, Oppenheimer and Oppenheimer. Yeah, okay. So I, I am with you there. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, maybe not head, easy. My head and my heart are there, but it's not easy. Mm. Um, who do you got uh, but, that's challenging it? Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Why don't, why don't you tell us why Oppenheimer, though? Um, similar to what you were saying about the music, like, I was thinking specifically of two scenes. One, the uh, the the nuclear testing scene. Their use of sound is like, it, yeah. I want to yeah. see Nolan do a horror movie because of how he utilizes sound and music together. Kind of get in the back door of like get your heckles up. And the other one is that scene where he's walking through the uh, the gymnasium and the way they incorporate sound there. Like, and that because uh, he uses that motif over and over. The uh, like the stomping and like the the kind of slow mm-hmm. clap like. Yeah, um, and then he uses like the crackling or that crackling noise that runs all the way through of like the atomic testing sound. Uh, I don't know. It's just like oh yeah. He, on top of just like the real naturalistic sound that like of course works to tell the story and ground you. Like he he uses a lot of abstract noises yeah. to then reel you into the emotional experience or the headspace of Oppenheimer. Uh huh. Yeah, I think at the crowd scene where he's having a little bit of a panic attack. Mm-hmm. Where internally he's roiling, but on the outside he's oh, I bet the Japanese didn't like that very much. Yeah, like yeah, just yeah. like the voice exists outside of himself, but we get to see, we get to hear inside of him mm-hmm. is uh, chilling. It truly is, uh, and then obviously like the moment of the lack of sound during the Trinity test is uh, a monumental piece of work and uh again uh whenever we see the visual interpretations of the quantum quantum scale world the sounds that accompany it are remarkable mm-hmm. um I, th- I do think it's going to win uh but I, I i won't be surprised if it doesn't um because the zone of interest this is a thing that we've brought up a couple times tonight where the, the sound in the zone of interest is the main attraction of the movie. Mm. Like it's, it's the thing that makes it work. The, the images and the sort of the narrative of the zone of interest is uh, actually uniquely mundane and meandering on purpose. Yeah. Like uh, rendered the, banal almost. That's the point. Yeah. The banality juxtaposition the re- reality of what we know is actually going on mm-hmm. is is the point but, but we hear everything that's on Ooh, uh i haven't seen and, this one also by the way yeah but it, it is it, it's the main concept of the movie is the juxtaposition of the banal imagery with the 
horrific sound. Mm. And uh, yeah, it, mm. it is the main ingredient. And I, I won't be surprised actually if Oppenheimer doesn't get this. I do. I still am predicting Oppenheimer, but but don't count them out. Do not count the zone of interest out. Yeah, I, mm. I do think mm. it's a two horse race though. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, um, any I, any cool examples of sound from this last yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A movie that you know would never ever be up for any Oscars for a variety of reasons. But uh, <laughs> similarly, to, similarly <laughs> to the similarly to the zone of interest, uh, the sound is the main event in it. It's a movie you haven't seen yet, Dan, but I really recommend that you do. Uh, it's called The Outwaters. Um, oh yeah, I, I want to see that. When I went to write up, uh, I, I did like a one page review on it. And uh, I really um, like my my main arguments and like the main, the thing I talk about the most in my written review for the Outwaters is the sound design. It very much captures the Southern Californian desert in a way that is very true to life, but also really haunting and elevated. Mm. Uh, they, a lot of care went into the sound design in a movie where the imagery is uh, starts off fairly stock found footage. And sort of becomes kind of skin rink abstract, but the sound carries through the whole thing, and it's it's incredible. It was a oh, really, really cool. unsettled. It's a really unsettling experience seeing that movie, and, or you know, hearing that movie. It was a really unsettling experience <laughs> hearing that movie. Yeah, and um, yeah, can't can't recommend it enough if you want just an example of a movie where the the sound design is uh, is remarkable. Mm -hmm. um, so I have two as well. You brought it up, Skinnerink, Skinnerink sound. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot of the terror behind it as well. Um, for a lot of the same reason that you were just talking about with the Outwaters. Um, also, one I don't know if this particularly counts. Uh, does it see like? Could you do animated films? Because if you can, Boy and the Heron, I thought had excellent sound. Yeah, so. yeah, of course. Yeah, um, I. I, I think it's, it's kind of a different approach to sound design and animation because you know you aren't just like recording the things that are on the screen. Um, you actually have to make everything up like sweet generate sweet generate. Is that the word? Uh, but out of nowhere, um, it's all, it's all Foley work. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I just thought like the way, because like I said, the, uh, the music leaves a lot of open space. Like that has to be, that's picked up a lot of times by the sound design. I just thought it was excellent mm -hmm. for really enmeshing you in the world. Um, so yeah, Skin Rank and Boy in the Hair, and those are two that I would chat on that one. Um, is it my turn for visual yeah, effects? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, run us through visual effects. Visual effects. So we got The Creator. We got Godzilla Minus One, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, and Napoleon. Who's taking it home, Jared? I think this was the one that I actually um, had the hardest time choosing. So... Ooh. Um, Godzilla minus one has a great story around the visual effects. A lot of talk around how this movie was so cheaply made, yet it really uh, gives Hollywood a run for its money in this. Yeah, that kicks its coverage. Yeah, like by a lot. And I think you know that sort of feel good, uh, you know, gushy center of a story uh, sometimes get awarded at the Oscars. Uh, I also, though, think that just really impeccable, ambitious, like Hollywood industry work does more often get rewarded. And so that was pulling me towards Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, where it's like uh, in in, in a, the last few years where like the special effects in Marvel movies has been garbage. Mm 
Mm, uh, special yeah. special effects in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is clearly where they were like putting their that's the basket they were putting their eggs in, uh, and it is incredible. Like just the volume of interesting, creative uh, characters and uh, locations, like a movie that is basically made entirely of performances and special effects. Like uh, it is the, mo the most ambitious on the list. And I think oftentimes that does get rewarded. So I don't know, this might be a dumb thing to do, but I'm splitting the difference here. And with the creator that resides sort of right in the middle of those two, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. those two, those two types of picks. Yeah, because um, uh, yeah, when you're saying Godzilla minus one, I was like, I remember that exact story you said about the creator, where it's like this unicorn these days, which is the mid-budget epic yeah. sci-fi, um, and it's it looks ten times better than movies that have ten times the budget. Um, yeah, I think Godzilla minus one. I'm between the two of those. I give it to Godzilla minus one, probably because it just has more good graces right now. Like more people think of it more fondly. Um, and I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. That, so. Yeah, the, the recency bias on, on Godzilla actually working its favor too. Yeah, where I got head in the heart sitting on Godzilla minus one for both because yeah. I like, and I also like it, which is what I like about the creator, which is not Guardians of the Galaxy's fault per se. It's just my own personal preference. Where it's like I need that heavy mix of uh, of tactile design and CGI together where like once yeah. you start going way too far on the side of cgi i'm like okay well i'm just basically watching a cartoon with some live actors walking around right right yeah i totally get that as, as a personal preference um I, i've got the heart on Godzilla minus one i think it looks amazing i love the story of you know the, the kind of the scrappiness of it i mm -hmm. uh part, part of me just really likes it when outsiders come in and sort of usurp a crown mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. You know, part part of me just wants an international movie to win something other than international feature, yeah. And like, I just want God's, that Godzilla movie to win something to reward it for the whole thing, right? Being being pretty spectacular. Uh, yeah, I, I I hope Godzilla minus one wins. I I don't know. I'm I'm pretty evenly split between the creator Godzilla minus one and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Yeah, that's definitely the one of the races. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. It's like not and again. Not don't count out often. mission. Like don't count on Mission Impossible. Yep, yep. Um, okay, so Dan and I have not seen any of the nominations in, for documentary feature, documentary short subject, live action short, or animated short, uh, which sucks uh, <laughs> because I, I actually have a a real soft spot for all of those categories. I will definitely be seeing all of the shorts before the Oscars uh, happen. And uh, I would strongly recommend that you do, Dan, and that uh, anyone listening to this sees the Oscar shorts. The documentaries, the short documentaries are virtually all available on YouTube right now. Uh, I believe all of them, except for one, uh, one of them is available on Disney Plus, and I forget which one, but I think four of them are available on YouTube. One of them is on Disney Plus. So even if you're not subscribing to anything you know that you pay for, you can still watch four of them for free. Yeah. Um, uh, and then uh, most markets uh, will get the Oscar-nominated sh uh, narrative shorts, uh, both animated and live action at you know your local AMC, your local 
local regal a lot if you have like an art house theater in your town that you like to go to uh, virtually all across the country uh the shorts program sometime in february so look out for that um but no opinions you did <laughs> yeah yeah we uh i played the fifth on that one i'm just not right. informed enough and yeah right. i mean basically even on the documentary ones we looked at it and we're like okay we have access to we were looking at this like three days ago and we were like well we could speed run all these and just kind of fart out a quick opinion on it or we could wait and like actually sit with them for a second give a more informed opinion it's like yeah let's not let's not give the people haphazard slop let's give them thoughtful commentary yeah um, all right well let's get some commentary going we're now moving into the five sort of main event categories of the evening uh dan why don't you walk us through the nominees for writing uh, adapted screenplay adapted screenplay so we got american fiction written by cord Je jefferson uh we got barbie written by greta gerwig and noah Baumbach. we got oppenheimer written by christopher nolan we've got poor things written by tony mcnamara and we've got Zone of Interest, written by Jonathan Glazer. So, who do you got? Oh, man. This, this is another really tough one. But uh, the head is saying Barbie. Uh, do you think that at this point, uh, the Academy should be terrified of not awarding Greta Gerwig in some way? Mm, oh, I didn't think of that angle. Oh, I'm not... I'm not I, I, I can't even say that it isn't the best one. Um, uh, it's not my favorite of four, but I, I would be pretty surprised if it's not going to Barbie for the more of the diplomatic reasons. Yeah, and wanting to appease the fans. And, and also, um, if you just if you just like if you know how these things work, for a lot of stories, it's the the peers that are voting like it's writers it's screenwriters that are voting in this category uh you know in, in the sound it's sound designers that are voting in that category and so forth other than like the very like the the broad um awards Film. like international feature Actor. animated feature yeah. best best picture yeah actors voting for actors it's directors voting for directors so on and so forth i think that the the screenwriting community is greta gerwig and noah bombach's community like mm -hmm. I think the two of them are have have been writing movies. Like she's been writing movies longer than she's been directing movies. I think that the writers guild is less of a like a old boys club. Um, and I think that uh, everyone will want to make sure that Greta Gerwig gets some Oscar recognition <laughs> for her incredible work. I I would be fairly surprised if it didn't go to Bart. Uh, what are what are you thinking? Um, well, I never didn't consider that angle, so I'm still going to stick with what I walked in with, and I I see Oppenheimer winning it. Um, for and to be clear, uh, I I don't think you want to make this point. It's like or I don't think you're trying to come off this way. It's like it's not like Barbie's going to get a pity vote or something like that. Like no, no, no. Barbie is a is a remarkable screenplay. Yeah, so it, it's it's very very deserving. I see Oppenheimer as edging out a little bit, just for like you said, like the editing is in the screenplay. It's written in first person. Like there's just some really interesting, yeah. like interesting craft things are going on in it. Like you said, where uh, the community of screenwriters would probably glean onto it. Um, but I, I could see 
this phenomenon, give, giving Barbie a little more of a push. But I'm going to stick with Oppenheimer just because that's what I walked in with. Um, yeah, uh, my heart is with Oppenheimer. Um, yeah, I yeah. have, I have. So I'm, pr- I'm pretty well versed on this category. I've read the Barbie screenplay. I've read the Oppenheimer screenplay as well as the book it was adapted from. Uh, I have read the Poor Things screenplay and the book it was adapted from. Uh, not read the American fiction screenplay or the Zone of Interest screenplay, but man, the Oppenheimer screenplay is a fucking like, it's a freaking chunky work of art all on its own. Yeah, uh, yeah, the unusual way in which it was written, you already called out. Um, it, it is there's a lot of artistry just on the page that isn't quite there in Barbie um, or Poor Things. Um, both yeah, of those like movies separate are... it out and isolate it as its own entity. Yeah, up, yeah, exactly. And you know, I don't know how many of these voters are actually reading the screenplays. Like, I'm a, f- I'm a fucking weirdo in that regard. I love reading <laughs> screenplays, but the Oppenheimer screenplay all on its own is 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 monumental, and I don't think it's going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, any? Oh, we are. Did we do? For visual effects, we didn't give any shout-outs, did we? I, I didn't have any shout-outs. Oh, I mean, I had the People's Joker for visual effects, just for how <laughs> how silly they got with it. I have the People's Joker right here. Oh, for adapted? For adapt- I for was wondering, was that going to be adapted or original? I didn't know where to that's put it. it. Oh, it's a direct parody of oh, that's true. Todd, that's Phillip, true. Todd Phillips' Joker. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's also anything that's a sequel or IP-driven or a mm. spin-off or based on established characters the people's joker is a, par- is a parody of like 20 different batman things but mostly true. todd mostly todd phillips joker uh yeah i mean uh, the reason i haven't brought up the people's joker before is it's uh it's not getting its like widish release until this year it like, actually yeah. it actually debuted at tiff in 2022 so i'm like having a hard time justifying it as a 2023 movie but if i do if i give it just that grace uh that is by far my favorite adapted screenplay of the of the last year it is densely uproarious it it, it's a a miracle of a screenplay Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's a miracle of an adaptation like it's you it requires you to have foreknowledge of the pre-existing property and it uses that knowledge against you for tremendous effect mm-hmm. it's hilarious it's heartfelt it's brutal it's it, it opened my eyes to realities that i was not privy to before i saw the movie there's no adapted screenplay that comes anywhere near the people's joker for me yep this, i mean this past year i can i can only second that um, another, uh, some, a couple other adapted screenplays where the eight mountains is adapted from a book. So I just want to throw that one out there. Um, but one where it takes a really non-traditional look at adapting a screenplay is how to blow up a pipeline. Cause how, oh, to, blow up, yeah. how to blow up a pipeline is an adaptation of like a political ethical treatise and they yeah. turn it into a like heist thriller and like, yeah. I just, I just can't think of a more brilliant way yeah. to get the points in that book across via cinema without making like a talking heads documentary. Yeah. That was the other one that 
that I wrote down here too for the exact same reason, man. It's it's amazing that they took what's essentially a manifesto and but is it and is it or isn't satirical take on like an instruction manual? <laughs> like there, yeah, there's, mean, some there's, nothing... there's some there's some there's some tell tongue in cheek element of like of like hey look. Like, don't actually do this. You know what what I mean? And it's like taking all of that and just like turning it into such a fucking straightforward, like pot boiling thriller is neat. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's an excellent move. And it's something that I hope, I hope people take other texts that have like, that really sit in like ethical dilemmas or problems of the day or philosophical treatises or yada, 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 things like that. And like, just create a problem where that book, where it sits in the same problems that this book is talking about. Like, I hope that people do things to other books. I, I mean, I can't imagine, like, I'd have to think about what other, uh, like treatises or manifestos or, uh, philosophical works could get a treatment like that. But I, I'd be fascinated to, to, cause you see so many times, like, you know, on YouTube or podcasts or something where it's like the dark Knight explained, like, Batman is like this philosopher and the Joker is like this guy. And we're seeing these philosophies at war with one. It's like, okay, let's just say the quiet part out loud and let's just make movies about them. Right, right, right. Um, Okay. Wait, just real quick. Like if, if, let's say we're counting the people's Joker as a 2023 movie, then it it gets shout outs for me in film editing, in makeup, in costume, in production design, uh, in, uh, writing uh, and actress in a leading role and best picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I pretty much have them on essentially all as well that you have it. I mean, it, yeah, when it eventually gets its wide release later this year, uh, you all will see what we're talking about. Uh, but moving right, oh, you get uh, original screenplay if you want to take us away for that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've got Anatomy of a Fall written by Justine Trier and Arthur Harari. We've got The Holdovers, written by David Hemmingson. We've got Maestro by Bradley Cooper and Josh Singer. We've got May, December by Sammy Birch uh, and Alex uh, Mechanic. Mechanic. (laughs) Uh, And Past Lives, written by Celine Song. Uh, Dan, who do you have winning here? This is probably also the one that, A, I just didn't see... It's not that I didn't see a front runner because there wasn't one that was like so far ahead, but there was like three or four that I'm like, damn, these are all like good for their own reasons. I don't know which one's going to jump forward. Uh, eventually, I just had, I thought that I'm going to have to pick the holdovers. And I'm not quite sure why I think the holdovers will be the Oscar pick. I mean, there's just something about like, you know, the Oscars like doing like period pieces, they like these sort of enclosed little stories that have like very clear themes and messaging and and character dramas. And I don't know, it just feels more like a movie that wins an Oscar. I can't describe it past that. It feels more like that than the other ones where they all feel like a movie that could win an Oscar, but this one feels the most. Yeah. I, I I get you. I get you. Um, You know, I, I, part of me thinks that Celine song could win for past lives. Part of me thinks that the holdovers could win. Uh, I don't see Maestro or May December really having a a shot here. Um, but I mean, simple simple matter is that Anatomy of a Fall has been winning all of the original screenplay awards thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty 
fucking outstanding. <laughs> uh, like, I think it's my head and my heart pick here. Um, mm. But but my heart is gravitating more and more towards the holdovers as I think about it. Oh, it's and, so lovely. But, but, but I do also think that uh, past lives could be the like, man, this movie has to win something. Uh, uh -huh, this uh -huh. is the one. If it's We're, anything, if, if past lives has taken anything, it's in this category. That's uh, I have that in the heart category for past lives. Just me personally. Oh, that's well, yeah. The writing I like best. I would have got the holdovers for you, man. You seem so smitten by the holdovers. But I'm very smitten by past lives as well. Now, I'm there's yeah. recency bias where I've just been talking about the holdovers more lately. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Seen it more recently. Um, some other originals to shout out. Uh, so I didn't know the beasts is based on a true story, like loosely that adapted. For, so what? is May December. That that counts as original. Oh, true, 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 true. Um, the beast Bo is afraid. I think is just wild storytelling. It's so much fucking fun. Um, oh, I lost. Oh, Nexohi, I think is great. Uh, oh yeah, has a great screenplay. And um, once again, a fire. I'm surprised with how much you enjoy uh, reading screenplays. I think reading Christian Petzl's screenplays would be a hoot for you because that's like all his movies are excellent, but like his real strength is just writing screenplays. Like the way these things are designed are excellent. Um, so yeah, Fire. What else? Oh, and House of Jerusalem. I also just think has an excellent, excellent screenplay as well. A really good, like I said, kind of like Pan's Labyrinth because it's. First and foremost, it's a ghost story, and it sits in though that space to tell bigger, more material stories, much like Pan's Labyrinth does. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what about you? You got any I'll, shout outs I'll, I didn't mention? I'll, 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 no, not that you didn't mention. I'll, I'll just second next. So he next. So mm. he has a. I mean, the story itself is is so fucking brutal. And like it, it affected me so hard when I was watching it. It has an unusual structure where the third act is a is a wild sort of uh, kind of new direction that is a tough thing to make land correctly. And next, so he does it. Like, mm -hmm. when is this movie gonna fucking come out, man? Yeah, uh, that came out in South. It came out in South Korea last year in like may of 2023 um but it hasn't gotten any american distribution by streaming or theatrically and i wonder why um yeah i can't imagine why yeah anyway uh I, i'm excited for that to finally get a proper release in the united states so we can in good conscience do a pod episode on it and recommend it to people but yeah i mean I, out of out of anything that isn't already nominated my favorite screenplay. Yeah, I've like uh, now that you bring it up, like I don't even know if Nexo he technically could count for this one. I don't know if it had a wide enough release. Like maybe it could go in next no. year. I don't know. Could be. Um, that would be amazing to see. That'd be nice. Um, but let, um, let's keep rolling into uh, into uh, yeah, uh, the our our second to last acting category of the night. Should I do Dan, start with actor or actress? Actor. Actor. We're going to do actor in a leading role. We got gentleman Bradley first. Cooper. Hmm? Oh, gentleman, gentleman first. first. Uh, we got uh, Bradley Cooper in Maestro. We got Coleman Domingo in Rustin. We've got Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers. We've got Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer. And we've got Jeffrey Wright in American Fiction. Jared, you have the envelope. You are opening it. Whose name is on the ballot? 
it's Killian Murphy's on there. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Giamatti won. Well, he won the Golden Globe because they were not competing with each other. But Giamatti, right. I think, also won the Critics' Choice Award. Maybe. Um, you know, it, it's hard to predict this one because the awards haven't happened yet. And that's going to be the biggest predictor because the voting blocks are like a pretty tight Venn diagram. But uh, Killian Murphy, it's such a central performance. He's the title character. He, He's not... I mean, there's there's a huge ensemble cast, but he's he's the nucleus of it. Not nucleus. Yeah, you got that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he he's he's got the most momentum, and he and Paul Giamatti both could like have kind of like you know their their body of work is sort of like compelling, mm-hmm. but. Um, I do think that Killian Murphy has more of the momentum, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Paul Giamatti. Uh, Giamatti has my heart on this one. I think I, mm, I spent yeah, a, I spent months and months here, like just really, 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 really um, looking up to Killian Murphy's performance in Oppenheimer. But uh, the holdovers, it could be that recency bias. But I watched the holdovers a couple weeks ago and. Paul Giamatti is is fantastic, and he's more like my people. So like okay. I, I maybe got a little personal bias, um, but fuck, he's good. As in, as in not some damn Irish foreigner. Is that what you mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What about <laughs> you, man? <laughs> uh, I have the same. I think Killian Mur- Murphy will win. I want Killian Murphy to win. And I also agree. It was him and Paul Giamatti were the two in my head that I was like flip flopping and trying to decide where I land between the two. And, and yeah, I think the reason if Paul Giamatti wins, I think it's because it would be because of this aspect where it's like the holdovers is like act like 90% of this story succeeds because of the acting and the writing. Like it doesn't have a lot of pyrotechnics going on outside of that. It's just a small enclosed story where you have people in a room talking and reacting to one another. So like that if you don't bring that, then the whole film fails. So like the fact that the film is such a success is directly on the shoulders of the actors there. Yeah. 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 Now two, I got two shout outs for actors. One of them is a controversial one that you disagree with me on. It's good old Zach Efron, I think should have been in that list. Um, it could be some yeah. recent bias too. I just watched, uh, the iron claw and wow. Uh, he's really good in that. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think that's controversial. Like, I don't, I don't think that's bad. I do think though that like the the sort of the meta narrative that's being built is that uh, he probably should have been nominated. I'm I'm not like so disappointed that he wasn't, um, but that doesn't mean I don't don't think he was very good in that movie. But I do think uh, that's such an ensemble piece, and he's just one piece mm. of it, albeit he is the center of it. Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't have any shout outs here. Like I, I think that all the nominated. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll drop in a couple more then. Um, please payment Madi from opponent. That was also, Oh oh, wow. But wow. That was a good fucking performance. Yeah. Very, very, very good performance. And he's got Um, the name of the demon from hereditary. (laughs) And one other one, have you seen all of us strangers? I forget. Ah, no. Oh, Andrew Scott it's, is it's, excellent. It's, yeah, I do know that it sucks that he's not on here, though. I've heard so so many good things, and 
I almost went and saw it at, at, at the theater last week, but I was sick. Mm, and so yeah. I, I assume I'll be able to see it at home. And it's an intimate movie. Like seeing it at home will probably yeah, be, it'll be pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll work at home too. Um, so now, oh, you get to introduce the, the ladies of the evening, please. Yes. Right. For actress in a leading role, the nominees are Annette Benning for Nyad, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall, Mulligan for Maestro, and Emma Stone for Poor Things. Dan, who do you think is going to be winning this one? Uh, I think that Lily Gladstone's going to win this one. That is my my current belief. I feel like this is between the actor, I don't know, quad of ones. It seems like this is the one that's becoming the most contested and the one where people mm-hmm. are like, mm, Emma Stone could sneak in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, similarly to the uh, the the actor category, uh, you know, they, they both won Golden Globes because they weren't competing with each other. Um, but Emma Stone uh, somewhat surprisingly won the Critics' Choice Award. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see how SAG goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Emma Stone gets the SAG Award, I would say that then my my prediction changes to Emma Stone. But right now, I still got Lily Gladstone. She has the most momentum. You know, I'm not saying that this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I do think there is vote. Like I, there's I really one, do sorry, think that out. there, like there is like a woke vote. Like there, there mm, is yeah. like a there is like a diversity quota. Um, or like and, there's people want the story of like we we have an, a Native American woman is winning best feel, actress it, like. Yeah, that that would make uh that would make native folks feel good, and it would make white folks feel fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> more importantly, um, it'd make the white folks feel fantastic. It would essentially undo Andrew Jackson's presidency. Yeah, it, it's it's a uh, tit for tat. You know, everyone can shake no, hands. No, no, but but again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing. And Lily Gladstone is fucking fantastic, and I think she is going to win. Um, I think that she's in a supporting role and that she should be nominated for supporting actress and she should win that. Yeah, because I, I see what you're saying, yeah. Killers of the Moon is all about Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, Ernest mm-hmm. Burkhart's the main character in that movie. Leo, uh, the book, the main characters really are Molly and then the FBI agent guy played by Jesse Plemons in the movie. Originally, they were going to actually... Uh, faithful to the to the book uh but then leo decided he wanted to play Ernest, mm. and so Ern- Ernest became the main character and i think it's <laughs> which like, ultimately i think it's a more interesting decision sure but uh, it makes molly not the main character and she's yeah. literally asleep in bed for like an hour of the movie uh she's she by design because the like you know she cannot know what's going on she gets less screen time because she needs to not catch on happening and, yeah, and like, uh, less to react to. And look, Lily Gladstone kicks ass. It's a, it's a very, very strong supporting role. And uh, I do think that if you were going to actually reward the best, the best acting and the, the most ambitious acting, the bravest acting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it has to be Emma Stone. 
Mm-hmm. Like yeah, she's, that's, she's, that's my heart she, pick she, as well. She she got my heart pick by by a lot. And like man, Sandra Huler, like I said earlier, has had a wildly good year. Her performance between this and the Zone of Interest, wow, what a, what an amazing year she had. Uh, Carrie Mulligan is the heart and soul of Maestro. She's one of the only things I love about Maestro. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Nyad like like most people, but I, I will before the awards happen. Um, but man, I, I'll, I'll be sad if Emma Stone and like like she's won before, which means that the voters like her, mm-hmm. right? She she won for a movie she probably shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, that's how popular Emma Stone is amongst her peers. But man. If she doesn't win here, I, I I can almost say like objectively the best acting didn't win. Like it, it it it's such an ambitious performance. It's so complex. It's it's so fucking weird and ballsy. Like she she used definitely the best acting that I saw this year. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think that it goes down to what you're saying is and why you would even split the leads from the supports in the first place, where it's like the leads just have so much more to do and to work on. Yep. Who do you got for a uh, big uh, actress performances this year? Any shout outs? Oh, yeah. Uh, if, I mean, like I, I said before, if we're counting the People's Joker, uh, Vera Drew, yep. who wrote and stars in the People's Joker and directed, she. Did she? Yeah, she directed it. Pretty sure it has. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, she is uh, like like uh, she's she's a superstar. Like she's 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 gonna be. She must be a superstar. Like I got the same <laughs> feeling watching her as I most recently did watching Timothy Chalamet and Call Me by Your Name. Where mm, I like mm, saw mm. this performance and I'm like, oh, this person is gonna be the shit. <laughs> like, um, she yeah, she's just com- completely magnetic and hilarious and uh I, I hang on every word that she says. And uh yeah, that that that's a remarkable performance. Mm-hmm. What about yeah. you, man? Second that one. Um I will say I, you know. I, I think it's overblown the, of the reasons why she didn't get nominated, but I do think Margot Robbie should have gotten a nomination. Like I'm surprised that she's on the list. I'm not like decrying the patriarchy because of it, but I am surprised that Margot Robbie was on that. She gave a great performance. Um, another fun or a couple other fun ones are really good ones from passages, uh, which is one I'm also interested or a little sad, got nothing. Uh, Adele Exarchopoulos was excellent mm-hmm. in that in a love triangle where there's you know it's two dudes and one girl like she's basically this like newton use the word again nucleus that the other two are have to whirl around for this whole thing to work i mean all three of them are completely necessary that's why it's an excellent film but her work i thought was pretty remarkable and it just won for fun because like i just like when people Get a little silly with it. Get a little wild. Is Mia Goth in uh, Infinity Pool was oh, so much yeah. fucking fun. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Oh, how did I forget about her? Like she's just she's just turning in batshit amazing it's performances in horror films every year. Every and I probably time. probably will continue this year with Maxine. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, she's she's very, very, very fun in Infinity Pool. 
Right, well, let me... um, or no, you got you got directing, don't you? I do. All right. <laughs> I, I I I yeah. Here, here's one of the controversial categories. <laughs> uh, so the nominees here are Justine Triet, Anatomy of a Fall, uh, a newcomer on the scene that you may not have heard of, Martin Scorsese. Uh, Is that how you say it? Scorsese. Scorsese, yeah, yeah, old Marty in again for Killers of the Flower Moon. Christopher Nolan, 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 Christopher Nolan. He's got two first names for Oppenheimer. Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things. Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. Who's winning this, Dan? Uh, Nolan. Nolan's winning this one. Nolan's winning this one, and yeah. if he doesn't, then nothing makes sense in the world. <laughs> now there is like, I, I, I don't know. I'm just lately on such a Scorsese kick that like Killers of the Flower Moon can't be denied either. Like, or can't I can be, like, deny the be... fuck out of it. <laughs> just swat that shit out of here. I don't know. It's just like Scorsese's one of the best to do it ever, and. Sure, and do this we keep rewarding example. him because he's made a bunch of good movies? Well, like, that's I'm saying that's my heart. That's my heart that picks it. Yeah, uh, my heart Dan's is also Oscar. picking Christopher Nolan here. Uh, it, he, it's the legacy thing where, like, you know, his body of work probably should be awarded at this point. Um, but Oppenheimer is monumental, probably probably his best movie, and it's it's monumental. From in technical achievements as well as having a vast, vast ensemble cast with uniformly excellent performances, which is of course the sign of a director. Uh, he's earned it, and then some. Like I think he's going to win. I think he should win. But yeah. uh, let's get into the. Let's get into you know what we're here. We need to talk about is uh, I think that Greta Gerwig's name should be there instead of Martin Scorsese's. Instead of Scorsese, like, is that who you uh, flip in? Absolutely, oh. yeah. That's easily the, the worst movie of the five. And it's uh, uh, easily the least director forward of the five. Um, hmm. it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have nearly as much of his prints on it as Barbie does with Gerwig. Killers of the Flower Moon is almost like bigger than him. Like... Like Leo, like Leo's performance and like the just like the the like kind of egotistical star turn, just point the camera at Leo's grumpy cat three and a half hours <laughs> doesn't have the level of ambition or or, or complexity as the others. Uh, it's pr- like particularly not with Barbie, where it's like clearly like Greta Gerwig's aesthetic, like her humor, her the way that she ran the set, like the joy with which she ran the set is apparent in there. The, like the, again, the uniform excellence of all of the wide variety of different performances and types of performances, the, the way that um, you can point at all of her influences and her favorite movies sort of showing up in there. It's just way more of a director's movie than killers of a flower moon is. And uh, I, you know, I'm not like pissed that she's not in there. I, I'm not like, you know, up in arms. I'm not like crying foul at it, but she, she should be there. Like she, she deserves to be there. Yeah. I mean, I'll, the only rebuttal with Killers of Flower Moon, be, like, I haven't seen 
don't have interest in anatomy of fall so i can't say whether or not but like it goes back to how you said like this might not be like this isn't the most directed but i think is one of the best directed like like you're saying director forward but i guess this is the director category but sometimes the best thing a director can do is get out of his own fucking way what what well that's what best picture is for well yeah yeah that is true but i i would i would still categorize of the director's choice to not throw in all of their special flares and their very clear thumbprints as yeah. a, as a deliberate choice um where yeah this is to say i mean you can only choose five and from what i hear of anatomy of fallen zone of interest they're excellent films the three that i have seen are excellent films and yeah sometimes things just don't get on it now i don't think it's because of patriarchy or anything like that i think it's just there's only five slots and something's got to go yeah yeah no it's true like again i'm not up in arms about it i just think it's wrong yeah personally yeah, yeah. Um, so Oh, uh, any big uh, directors you want to throw out this year other than Vera uh, Drew? Yeah, just, just just Greta Gerwig, really. Yeah, Vera Drew, Greta Gerwig, Kyle Edward Ball. I'll throw him in there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I loved. I obviously love Skinner Murray. Uh, Wes Anderson wasn't going to get on the list, but I just want to give a quick shout out towards the bottom of this list. With you know, well, he did everything else well. That's another good example of like Wes Anderson's movies, and Asteroid City is not an exception every aspect of the cinematic experience has his aesthetic wrapped around it. Like mm -hmm. I, I would also put Wes Anderson over Scorsese in this category. Hmm. Um, but now yeah. moved on to the big one or wait, who gets to say the big one? Is it me? Do I get to do it? Sure. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Uh, we get, we get 10 options this time, quite a smorgasbord. Um, we got American fiction for Anatomy. best picture for best picture. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did I say something different? Yes. Oh, you didn't did say, say anything. Baseball? Oh, best picture. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got American fiction, anatomy of a fall, Barbie, the holdovers, killers of the flower moon, maestro, Oppenheimer, past lives, poor things, zone of interest, all films we've been talking about tonight. Jared, which one is taken home? The biggest boy. Oppenheimer is going to win. Yeah, I mean it's Oppenheimer. Like, Oppenheimer is going to win. Yeah, I mean it, it. It's just math. Like people who voted <laughs> for all of the other categories are voting for this one, and most of them voted for Oppenheimer the most times. Yeah, like yeah, it's sorry. uh, it, it's uh, I mean, okay, best picture though. For actually those, just to argue with myself for that very same reason. There's a history of, um, like. A movie winning nothing but best picture uh which is that makes no fucking sense at all <laughs> but it happens all the time uh uh yeah i so i i actually wouldn't be shocked to not see oppenheimer on here like i i wouldn't be shocked to see barbie really like i wouldn't be shocked i i don't think any of these movies if they read the name other than maybe the zone of interest is like is like a tier like as far as like its odds compared to all the others mm -hmm. um well maestro would be weird to win like it's maestro anymore for some reason um but yeah i, I do think it's it's just gonna be oppenheimer it's it's oppenheimer's year yeah. and uh but i also like wouldn't be shocked if it was anatomy of the fall i wouldn't be shocked if it was barbie holdovers killers of the flower moon past lives i mean like again like i haven't it would it's not 
wouldn't be a, a unheard of for a movie to win only best picture or just like one other award and best picture. But I yeah. don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think it's going to be Oppenheimer and I think Oppenheimer deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm aligned on both. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard to, you know, clean up all those awards and not get it. But as we said, you know, Coda did that not too long ago where they just kind of popped out of nowhere, picked up best picture and ran off. Um, do you got any, I mean, these shout outs are probably just going to be shout outs from things that we've been saying all night, but do you have any other best pictures that you just want to tell the folks back home of like, Hey, these are also pretty good. Is it? Yeah. It's Skinnamarink again. Uh, it's yep. How to blow up a pipeline again. Yep. It's the people's joker again. Again. Yep. Uh, uh, one movie that I think is really, really great. Um, and I haven't mentioned yet, but I actually think, uh, I, I, I could, uh, uh, justify even like uh, mentioning it with for uh, visual effects as well as just being an overall really remarkable movie is um, when evil lurks. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's fun. It's just a fucking gnarly one. The scene with the dog is really, really, really cool. Special effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's a gnarly actually, one. Very... We keep it at that so that when people yeah. see it. Very good, very good movie. Uh, all the as- different aspects of it are good. The performances, the directing. Um, surprised I hadn't mentioned it before just now. But yeah, that's pretty much all of mine. The, yeah, the only two I'll throw in on top of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll throw in The Beasts uh, and The Eight Mountains as two other ones. I, I wish, well, in a in a in a world run just by me, it would be they'd be getting more oh, attention. Here. Yeah, and Nexohi would be one of my ten for oh, best yeah, picture yeah. as well. Yeah, well, um, there. Um, I guess we have solidified into permanent record our picks, what we like, what we don't like. Uh, can't wait for the teeming hordes of people to tell us why we're wrong and bad people for why we're wrong. Um, but yeah, Jared, any last thoughts on 2023 and movies in general? Yeah, it was pretty all right here. <laughs> yeah, I would say I guess, I give the year in general, like if you take all the movies of 2023 and you average them out 7.5 to 8. Yeah. I, I think I was saying that to you and Jackson earlier where it's like, this is not going to be a standout year, but it's not a year that's well, like, well, this is kind of a dud. It was well, like a, it was fine. It had, okay. So it does have the one just big, big, big favorite in the middle Oppenheimer surrounded by quite a few substantial exoplanets like yeah yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's definitely not not here by any stretch like lots of amazing movies actually like a, a broader swath of very good movies this year but you know there isn't a parasite this year there mm-hmm. isn't a return of the king this year like it's uh not it's not like you know uh just one like nothing so like mental motion yeah, zeitgeist defining yeah, Oppenheimer and Barbie combined. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I'm I'm excited to see how it goes. Like there's a few that are gonna be exciting for me. And uh, you know, we'll see if any drama happens, if anyone slaps anybody, if accidentally <laughs> uh Call announced wrong the name. wrong the wrong best picture winner. And uh that'd be fun. They're like, oh, it's Maestro. And Bradley Cooper goes up there. Spielberg and Bradley Cooper go up there to, you know, like cry and like, they're like oh, sorry, Oppenheimer won. <laughs> uh, 
that would be uh, that would that would hurt my heart for them, but it would be fun to watch. Bradley Cooper will win an Oscar in like twenty years. He'll be Probably. fine. Yeah, he'll this be these right. the this the awards body that didn't give Scorsese one until he was sixty two years old and had been making movies for four and a half decades. <laughs> I uh. Well, well, and we'll be here 20 years from now podcasting away, probably live at the Oscars when he wins it. Yeah, sure. We'll be there. We'll be hosting. <laughs> yeah, this is the beginning old, of our hosting arc. Old, old man Bradley Cooper will finally get it. It'll be for like screenplay. <laughs> and they'll play our maestro episode as it's uh, as leaning up saying that we've been fans from the get go. Well, thank you for tuning into us for this special episode of Concessions. Uh, I'm Dan. And I'm Jared, and the award for best podcast goes to not concessions. <laughs>